we magnify you today, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. He's got so much to thank him for. He's been so good to all of us. You can be seated for just a moment. We've got a baby to dedicate today. Brother Isaiah and Sister Shay, if they'll bring their little son, we'll dedicate him to the Lord today. <clears throat> like a lot of church people. He's not sure if he's coming or going. <laughs> Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, what a great opportunity it is. Lord, in this day when our, our nation is so, so compromised to what it was just a few years ago, we're so thankful for mothers and fathers that have a desire to bring children into the earth to raise them, to teach them, to accept the responsibility of rearing them in this dark, perverse age. Lord God, I pray for my brother and sister that you would just help them. Lord, they have this little son that you've given to their union. And we know that the gift of life is such a precious, wonderful thing. But we know that he didn't come with a manual. He didn't come with a how-to book. But it, much of what he will become will depend on them. So I pray that you'd help them both, Lord. If time would tarry, that he would be old enough to be able to know right from wrong and to be able to make his decision for you. Help him to do it when he's young, Lord, before the evil days come upon him. We have so many diseases, so many things that are so rampant in this day. But may you watch over him. May you keep him by your grace, I pray, as we dedicate his life to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. You done good. <laughs> you just never know what they'll do. Let's go. Stand together. <clears throat> we greet you today in the name of the Lord. It's a wonderful privilege for us to be together again in the house of God. So thanking the Lord for his mercy to us each one helping us. Brother Aaron's already said, but we certainly want to wish all of our mothers a happy Mother's Day. And truly, it ought to be more than just one day a year for all that our mothers have done and are still doing and contributing to our lives. And not only our lives as children, but our children as well. And we're thankful for them. I wish my mother was alive today. I would be able to call her and give her a big hug and tell her how much I love her. For those of you that have yours, do that. Do that. Amen. Let's turn together also. And as we're reading the scripture in Genesis 24, 
we have an engagement announcement that we wish to make today, and it's Sister Miranda Ward and Isaac. We're preaching about Isaac today, not this one necessarily, but <laughs> Isaac Mercado from Tucson. And I really like this young guy because he's moved here instead of stealing our girls. I'm starting to have a real problem with some of these Arizona guys. Some of these Arizona boys come in here and steal our girls, and adios, amigos. And we're saying, wait, amigos. We're getting tired of this one-sided thing. We're certainly happy for our, our brother and sister. We'll be announcing that waiting time a little, little bit later. Let's read together <clears throat> Genesis chapter 24, verse 51. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go, and let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. There can be no greater satisfaction for a servant of God that is sent to pull people to the Lord Jesus and to see them finally entering into what just happened here, which was a betrothal and an agreement. Now, we know from the Jewish ceremonies, which even midst of this is still practiced today, what he's fixing to do is put not only a ring on her hand, but he's fixing to give her the matan. The matan was a gift which was put together by the bridegroom for his future wife, to be. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard the words, he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment. Now, this was handpicked by Isaac, which is a very wealthy man. He's going to give this to her to build her confidence, make the transition somewhat easier for her in the 30-day or plus journey on the back of a camel. And then we know that he takes the second step. He gave them to Rebecca. He gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. And here is the mohar, the gift which is given uh, to the parents, the family of the bride. And then we see God in his great type has given to us his own life in the form of sonship. But in the form of fatherhood, we get the shiluham, which is the gifts from the Father that helps us on our journey back home. I made a lot to be remembered today as we pray. Let's just bow our heads if you would. Lord Jesus, we so love you today. We are grateful that you are not just our Savior, our Redeemer, but you're our King, our Lord, our Lover. You are the Lover of our souls. And as the Song of Solomon says, I am my beloved and He is mine. That's the way we want to feel this very day. That it's not just me and my wife and me and my brother and me and my mother and my father, but we want it to be an individual that you are mine and I am yours. I pray that you take your word today, Father, and make it so real to our hearts. 
You see our needs. They are many. But yet, Father, we bring them all before you today. We ask you that you would help us. Lord, I have this prayer cross in my hand for our sister Joanne Tessa. You see, Lord, that she's been so very sick, had this surgery and still not feeling well. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for our sister. You see what's causing this nausea and this sickness in their body. In the name of Jesus Christ, as a body of the Lord God, we rebuke this devil that's attacked our sister. In the name of the Lord Jesus, Satan, I speak to you as a servant of God. I command you in Jesus' name, take your hands off of our sister. You cannot hold her, loose her, and let her go. Speak to us today, Father, from your word. I ask you, Lord, that you'll also be mindful of our brother Daniel Nunley. You see, Lord, the needs in his body. Touch him today, Father. Speak to us your great word as only you can do. For it's in the name of the Lord Jesus we ask it. And the saints said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. At the betrothal to Kiddushin, the engagement, they drink one cup of wine. They make their vows. The bride enters into a stage of sanctification. Before she will ever be joined to her husband, both he and her will go down into the mikvah which is a, a ritual bath. It was taken by many of the Jews, of course. As a matter of fact, they just recently uncovered in the ancient city of David, which lays right outside the walls of Jerusalem. Many, many steps as they were climbing up to the pool of Siloam. And it was there that the ritual bath was instituted for the Worshippers, And I mentioned to you just a few weeks ago that they found that when they uncovered all of this, which went back to the Roman era, and they found these steps which were hewn out of solid rock, they found some that were a little bit higher than the others, some that was a little bit deeper than the others. So unlike our steps here or our steps out in the back, where they are all pretty much the same, so we climb them methodically because we commit them to our subconscious and we can do it with our eyes closed. Uh, We don't have to even look at it. But these steps were different in that some were higher than the other, some deeper than the other. So what it required was, as you were ascending up to go up to your mikvah for you to be uh, cleansed before worship, You could not look here, look there, look over this way, but you had to watch where you were going. So your walk was very, very important going up to the house of the Lord. I mean, know that Rebecca is fixing to enter into a a thing that's going to change her life forever. Had she stayed there in this land that she had only known all of her life, she had been raised there, she's still young, of course, but... Nothing much different would have been changed about her. She might have married a merchant. She might have married a farmer. She might have married some common peasant there. 
She would have lived in her mother's tent until she had taken these vows. And then she would move from her mother's tent unto her husband's tent. Simply just a small transition, but God had a greater story in line for Rebecca. Many of us, as we sit here today and we think of our own lives, had we went the way our plans were laid out. We would have went the way maybe our mothers, our fathers, maybe some of our grandparents thought, well, they will be this and they will become that. I want to put back for them a college education. I want them to do this and that and the other and be a doctor and whatever more. But aren't you glad the Lord Jesus had a plan for you that superseded mama and daddy? You see, Rebecca is fixing to enter into a transition which forever will change her life. Not only is she going to become the wife of a great man, but by marrying this great man, she's going to enter into the natural genealogy of God himself. For God has projected that he himself would become a human being on the earth. That lineage had already been chosen by which God would be projected as a mortal. Little did she know it when she watered those camels that day and as she heard this gospel message, as we will say, of this servant that was sent by his master, he did not preach himself. He did not come to convey how gifted he was. He did not come for her to fall in love with him along the way back. But his great task was to get himself so much out of the way that he could introduce to her his master. What a great thing this must have been as he traveled for about 30 days or so going and the same going back across the Negev desert and how hot and dry it must have been and taking enough food over and enough food back, enough water over and enough back. And to have with him men in the camel train that would be able to protect her and also her maidens if he indeed found a bride. It must have been something that so moved on his heart every day and every night. How will I do it? How will I convey my master? Oh God, please help me that I can so project this Isaac for really the way he is, that she will fall in love with him. Now think, this is quite a responsibility because he couldn't get his iPhone out and say, this is what he looks like. And he could not scan everything and make a Marco Polo of all of his sheep and his goats and all the camels and everything and, and do a scan of everything that he owned and said, now, this is what he's worth and this is his value. But somehow he has to be able to do it in the first person. So he must have meditated and thought and considered over and over again. How will I be able to present my master Abraham? 
And my servant, my position is so lowly that I am one that was not even born in the right tribe. I'm one that was adopted basically into the family. And yet I have this awesome responsibility of trying to represent my master in his son. And it must be totally, completely in the hands of this Eliezer to be able to present a gospel message that will be believed by this woman. She's not going to be able to FaceTime him. She's not going to be able to call him on the phone, hear his voice, but it is solely the responsibility of this servant to convey him in love and in mercy and be able to make him what he is truly and not falsely represent him. Now, which one of you sisters would want to marry a man under these conditions? A man you've never seen. A man that you've only faintly heard of by scarce stories as they came back from the land of Canaan back to Mesopotamia into the city that she is now in, Haran. So you don't know him. You really don't know nothing about his makeup. You know nothing about his looks. You know nothing about his size, his stature, his wealth. But all of a sudden, one day, a stranger appears at the well. And this stranger seems to be saying the right words. But you cannot Google him. You cannot Yahoo him. You cannot AOL him. So how are you going to check out this man's message? You see right now that would leave a lot of the folks around the message out because they've got to Dr. Google everything. And if you find it on the internet, it's got to be the truth. Or that's what people think anyway. So this man had such an awesome responsibility to try to get out of the way and get under the anointing of God to help him to project this message because he and he alone had this responsibility. Now, it comes to this stage of the journey when he's already placed a bracelet on her hand. And as we've looked at it before, for her to allow him to even touch her showed an agreement that it was the initiation of the betrothal or the kiddushin. Now, they're going to come to the agreement to where that it will be the betrothal. Now, he represents the master and the master's son, and he's there in his stead. So, in other words, through the ministry of this man, we will say it was the son of Isaac, or the son of Abraham, rather, the form of Isaac, that chose a servant to represent him in the first person. My, what a challenge. And this man knowing that he had the ability to sell Isaac to her, or if he misrepresented him and he failed, he would have to go back to Abraham and say, you gave me camels, you gave me silver, you gave me gold, but I simply failed you. I was so caught up in myself. I wanted a big church. I wanted a kingdom. I wanted this or that or the other. And I think sometimes preachers forget what they're called to do. We're not called to sell ourselves. 
We're not called to sell our church and our ministry. We're called to represent Jesus Christ and present him in a way of truthfulness that he is loving, he's gentle, he's gracious, he's graceful, he's merciful, he's almighty, but yet he's just. Now, we have the ability of presenting him in, in so much grace that we leave him without his side of justice. And if we're not careful, we'll present him with so much justice, we leave aside his mercy. Can you imagine what a responsibility a preacher has in this day of trying to represent the Lord Jesus and trying to convey him to you and make you fall in love with him so much that you will leave absolutely everything in this world. Truly, as servants of God, we need the Holy Ghost like never before. Now, once Rebecca enters into this agreement, now we move into this stage of verse 53, to where that they have now agreed. Laban, we're not sure exactly about her father, why he's not saying anything, but Laban is the spokesman. So Laban is now saying, as the Lord has said, so let it be. And then the servant enters into the second stage of giving, giving her the matan, which is the personal gift rendered by Isaac. And then he's going to give her brother and her mother gifts, which is going to be the mohar. Now remember the mohar is the gift, which is the dowries would say it, that it was to pay the family because the bride does not get an inheritance. So they're going to pay the family for taking this asset out of their home. So it could be property, it could be gold, silver, raiment, it could be all kinds of things. So he's going to give her everything from the bridegroom's perspective that she will need. Now, it would have been, although the Bible is silent here as far as what Laban or her father gave Rebekah, we know that part of the gifts to Rebekah was her maiden or her servants and also the ladies that went with her. But she also was given to something to her that was very, very precious and that was she was given a nurse. Every girl that was born, if the family was wealthy enough, they would have their daughter a nurse. Now this nurse uh, clothed her, this nurse watched over her, this nurse was like a governess, she was like a tutor, and she was with her for years and years and years of her life. So when Rebecca leaves, we find that her nurse was given to her. But also the Bible tells us that there were other maids that went along with her. So once you notice now we have Rebecca following the man back to marry Isaac. But we also have women that are going along with the bride who are not bride. But they go along. Now, they, they do not marry him. He does not take them into the tent. But they follow this servant back, and they are also moved into the new land. Now, whenever the father would give to his bride the shuhim, as it's called, or the dowry, it was according to his greatness. Now, we know that Laban and those were men of flocks and all of that. So he would have given to her, or if it would have been easier to transport, they could have went to the market and they would have given exchange so many she-goats, so many camels, so many asses and donkeys and so on. And they would take it in the form of silver or raiment or 
gold. And then they would be able to take that back with her. This is her portion of the family inheritance. Now think of it. Our heavenly father in the form of the eternal spirit wanted to become a God man. Now remember, the spirit God could never die. The eternal had no day he began or no day he will ever end. He is the invisible. Now Paul tells Timothy, now unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. Paul again writes in the book of Colossians and tells us that in the Lord Jesus, he was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He also tells us he was the image of the invisible God. So Father God is a spirit. St. John 4, Jesus says God is a spirit. 1 John, of course, John says God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So God is light and spirit in the invisible realm. God is not an old man sitting up in heaven on a throne. But that is people's imagination. But God is spirit. But God wanted to become a human being. So the whole thing is God becoming tangible. So God could not die for us in his God form. God had to die for us in his man form, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the Lord Jesus gave us certain things that would help transport us on our journey as we're starting back to him. And if you've been on this journey for many, many years, and I'm sure it's getting sweeter and sweeter and closer as we get to the end of the way. But we know then that there are certain gifts that would, that would be a compilation of the matam, which the bridegroom would give us. And then there are certain gifts that the father would give. Now don't let the stumbly I mentioned to you last Sunday that even though Father God is giving to us certain gifts. It will come through the realm or the, the dispensation of fatherhood. And through the sonship of the Lord Jesus, which is our humanity, Father God cannot be our high priest. Because again, God is the spirit. God could not relate to David committing adultery. God could not relate to Moses getting angry. God could not relate to Jeremiah saying, I'll speak no more in the name of the Lord. So God become a man. In the form of a man, God could relate to all of our weaknesses. Aren't you glad? So when we pray, we go through what office? The mediatorial work of the Lord Jesus, which is the humanity of Almighty God. Now then in this aspect though, they're not two gods, they're not two separate beings, but it's the same God all along revealing himself in another form. So Father then is going to give to the bride and the Shiluhim many, many things that will help her on her journey. Unlike Rebecca, which took 30 days to get back, for some of you, it's been 30 years. Some of you, it's been 40. Maybe some of you, even longer than that. And you've been serving the Lord and living for the Lord and learning more about his word and his grace and the dispensations. You've watched it as it's unfolded. Uh, for some of you that started out in a church of Christ or a Baptist or whatever more and God began to unveil his light to you and you're, you said today in a greater light, hopefully, than you've ever been in your entire life. And what is that? That's a gift from your father. This is part of your future inheritance which you are now enjoying. 
You see, the reason that the bride will enjoy light now is because we are going to marry the king of lights and actually our father is the father of lights and we're going to a city of light. So what light does here in this life is just testifying of our future inheritance. You understand? The saints of God are inheritance of the light of God. Paul even goes on to say that as the children of God that we are to put on the armor of light, which is a very unusual statement. Armor of light. So even in that realm, we are clothed and we fight with light. What is light? Illumination of the word. So whenever we get there to that great city, what will be part of our inheritance? Light, life, and the grace of God. There'll be no preaching there. So preaching is not eternal. Preaching is just a time gift from God. There'll be no prayer meetings there. There'll be no fasting there. There'll be no prayer requests. Nobody don't need to turn one in. There'll be no prayer line. So you see, many of the things that we have here in life are now temporal. And God gives us those things because he loves us. But every now and then, the Father will give to us something of our future inheritance. And this is, of course, what we want to look at. Now, because we are born into this, oh, this darkened chaos called the nurse that we're in now, mostly all we've ever known is been sadness and sorrow and difficulty and all until we're born again. And we look around and see our society and we see every thread of our society is coming apart. We see it from the White House on down. We see it around the world, not just America, but we see the threads of our society are collapsing. Y'all agree with that? Uh, our families, marriage, the very thing of marriage itself, it's all become just a life and a joke, but not to the people of God. So it's going to leave us to where there's not going to be anything left in this world by which we can build our lasting hopes upon except our God and His Word. My, if your hopes today is in the economy, in the government, in this party or that party, I feel sorry for you because you are headed for a great spiral downward. That's all there is to it. But if our hope and our joy is in the Lord Jesus, then really no matter what happens around us, we have an inner sanctum in our soul that we can have peace in the time of trouble. We can have joy that's unspeakable. Oh my, is that right? We can have a happiness of the world knows absolutely nothing about. So our Father must give us things which will not only be in the future. So what good would a perfect body do me over there, but I have to wait 75, 80 years, whatever more. But he doesn't just provide a perfect body over there, but he provides healing and miracles for my body now to get me there. So what is that? That's the mercy of our Lord. Now, if we have eternal peace and it's over there, and yet we never have any peace in this life, then what good is eternal peace going to do me here when every day I get up? I'm so sad, I'm so down, I'm so depressed, but what does he do? He gives us a temporal part of that gift on our journey. Aren't you glad for the peace of God? 
Friend, where would we be today in this world if it was not for the grace and the mercy of our Lord Jesus? Now look at it in this way that our Father, even though he has, we'll say like this, our Father will say has multiplied billions of attributes in his thinking. And we know the last count that I had, which was just a little bit ago, that they have found in our known universe and the stellar constellations and all that's out there, over 300 septillion stars. They just updated it again. A septillion stars, so I mean, that's, that's just one number with 27 different zeros, you know, right following it down. And yet our Father spoke all of them into existence and called every one of them by name. Now, what science has broke into in finding out that what they used to think was a star when they looked out there years ago, but when they put Hubble up there, and then they finally put some contact lenses, you know about that, on Hubble, then it opened up Hubble's ability to what they thought was one star they was looking at was actually a galaxy. And then in that galaxy might be a hundred trillion stars just in that one galaxy. So then they've got more and more and more and more as it goes. Now what does it show us? The greatness of our God. Now I really don't need a star, y'all. Y'all gonna gonna need for a star? Anybody got a need for a constellation? What about the sombrero galaxy or Andromeda? Anybody need any of that? No. But do I need peace? By the the carload. Do I need healing? Do I need deliverance? Do I need joy? So why don't my father give me the universe? Because I don't need the universe. I stand in no current need today. Now I don't mind telling you the truth troubles on this earth get so difficult sometimes I wish I could speak myself out yonder somewhere and leave it all but just as sure as I did some of you all would follow me and there would be it wouldn't last but five minutes and you'd bring your troubles and then there would be again so we might as well just stay here and try to work through it all is that right I, I don't need a star I, I don't need all of that there but my father does give to me now the gifts that I need that will help me in my journey but he doesn't always give us the things that will eliminate the problems in our journey but he will give us the things that will help us through our journey now in our mind we say oh my journey to heaven it would be no sickness, no trouble, no heartache, but that's not the way he looks at it because what he's doing is molding and making in us a character that is of his own divine nature. Our Father could have spoken our divine character into us by the Logos, the written word of God, and it would have been absolutely perfect in the beginning, but that's not the way he made his own, and that's not the way he's going to make ours. So therefore, our character will come by suffering and difficulty and hardship, and this is what all might stumble so many people because they're saying, well, I love my sons and my daughters. I would never put them through that. Well, that's right, because you don't love them with divine love. You love them with human love. So you want to make it easier on them and easier on them. And that's why they're more spoiled now than you were. And you're more spoiled than your parents were. And they were probably more spoiled than their parents were. And we get more spoiled each generation because of our perception of love. But our Father loves us so much much. He will not, oh my, remove all the hardships and the difficulties and put us in this glass bubble and never let Satan hit us. No, as a matter of fact, the prophet tells us in Victory Day and Service in 1964, the more loyal, the more testing. 
The more loyal, the more testing. The more surrendered you are to God, the more you give to God. Now we think, no, it shouldn't be that way. The more you love him and the more you serve him, then he makes it easier. You're thinking human thinking again. And you see, we are evil, but even if we are evil, Brother John quoted in his prayer, that if we are evil and know how to give good gifts, how much more does our Father give gifts to us? But they are not evil. They are those which will benefit our walk with God. And they will bring to us a measure of eternal glory which will be unfolding when there is no more devil. When there is no more sickness and no more trouble. Now we've looked at a few of these gifts. I mean, let, me, let me break back into them. One of the gifts that the Father desires for his bride to have. <clears throat> In this journey along, read with me if you want in Romans chapter 8 verse 6. And it is this gift of peace. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now what you notice is, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So it has double attributes that are given to the spiritual minded people of God. But you know, what I find amazing is, a lot of times, the people around the church that claim to be the most spiritual are the ones that are most troubled. I find this to be so amazing that men, women, boys, girls, those who think they are so super spiritual are the ones that never have any peace and many of them are the biggest troublemakers that you have in church. So it makes me realize that people are not as spiritual minded sometimes as they think they are because this is one of the attributes of true spiritually minded people and it simply means of the nuos, the minded here is a mind which is under the influence of the spirit of God. And Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. So spiritual minded people aren't people that's just all the time having dreams and visions my, my, they got all these fangdangle revelations out here and going to the church and sowing all kinds of discord. And no, that's not a spiritual minded person at all. It is a person who is simply getting under the leading of the Spirit of God and finding the, the leadership of the Holy Ghost for their life and where they fit in the body of Christ. And they do not underestimate their position or overevaluate their position, but they get where God has made them and they are so happy in being there and that renders to them what? Peace. A peace which the world cannot give. Now, I wonder how much if we'd go to the Walgreens this afternoon or CVS after the service and we'd go through the drive-thru and say, ma'am, I need $535 worth of peace because I've been going through a great trial. She said, sir, would you call your doctor and see if he can write you a script? The doctor can't write no script for peace. Now, he might write you one for an upper and a downer and an inner and an outer and whatever more, but once you get out from under the influence of the downer, you're going to need an upper. And then when you get down to the upper, you're going to need an outer to level you out. But you know what? They have no script that can give you lasting peace. But let me not take you through the drive-through at CVS or Walgreens, but may I present to you today my master, the Lord Jesus 
who come to this earth not only to give us peace over yonder, but peace right here today. So if you are troubled, my friend, let me tell you, you don't even have to leave the assembly this morning, but you can get it right here, right now. A peace that passes all understanding. Why? Because your father wants you to have peace along the journey. Oh, you mean Brother Donnie won't have no more troubles? No, the key is you'll have peace in your troubles. You'll have peace in the family problems. You'll have peace in your problems at work. You'll have peace in the problems at church or whatever it is. God wants every aspect of our life to be under the influence of an umpire of peace. Now listen, I'll say that and I'll keep you wondering for a minute. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now for those that you try to instruct you on how to be spiritual and this and that and the other, what you want to do is look and see how much peace they have in their own life and then see if you want to follow their influence. Romans chapter 14 verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now notice the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Now the kingdom of God, of course, has already come down. And what is the kingdom of God? Lo, the kingdom of God is within you. We're going to the kingdom of heaven, but we've not yet reached the kingdom of heaven. But dispensationally, we are currently in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God can be great trouble. In the kingdom of God can be great stress. But we're longing for the kingdom of heaven when it will annihilate all the stress and all the trouble. But while we are going toward the kingdom of heaven, we're baptized into the kingdom of God. And what does it give us? Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. How many needs the God of peace? That leaves the devil out right now. The devil is a liar and he's a troublemaker. And there's only one God of peace and it's not Buddha. It's not Shintoism. It's not Maoism. It's not any of the, it's not Muslim. We can see that. They certainly don't believe in peace. There's only one God of peace. And who was that? The Lord Jesus Christ come down in a human form in order to bear the veil of the reconciliation in his own body to make peace between us and God. Because we were enemies against God when we were lost. And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus, you are an enemy against against God and God is an enemy against you. But in the veil of the flesh of the Lord Jesus all my mercy and grace kissed together and we were caught right in the middle of that heavenly kiss and it brought redemption and now we're at peace with God. Mm. Praise the Lord. Philippians 4, 7 and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Wow, look at the power of peace. Is it any wonder that Satan would want to rob us of our peace? Well, if this is what's going to help keep our minds and our hearts 
Lord, if you was the devil, wouldn't you try to rob every child of God you could from peace? Why, peace will keep their minds and their hearts through Christ Jesus. Colossians 3.15, and let, in other words, allow, and let the peace of God rule, rule in your hearts. Oh, I love this word, rule. You can see the Greek word there. It means to be an umpire. Strike! What? Strike! What? But I don't feel like it ain't what you feel. Mama, what do you say? Well, that ain't no strike. That's a ball. Mama said it was a ball. But the umpire said strike. Glory to God, children. When you allow peace to move into that sphere of your life and Satan throws it out, you're out. The umpire said, he's not out. I'm the one who makes this cause here. And the devil, remember, in this game is the pitcher. Don't you lose your concentration. The bases are loaded. It's up to you, little bride, to knock them all home. (laughs) It's up to us, Brother John. It's up to us, saints of God. The bases are loaded. The dispensations are almost full. The church ages are consummated. Here we stand. He's doing everything he can. Concentrate. Concentrate. Oh, no. Here it comes. That guy can throw a ball 95 miles an hour. Oh, my. Oh. Oh. Think. Concentrate. But what if he don't lie to me? It don't matter. What if he calls it a shot? It don't matter what he says. It matters what the umpire says. I know the devil's going to say this is a bought out game because the owner of our team is also the umpire. (laughs) Oh, glory to God. That will not work in national baseball. It won't work in softball, but it works in this devil. And if you don't like it, get out. But the owner of our team, he is the umpire. And when you feel like I've struck out, I'm out. He says, you're not out. Glory to God. You're not out. Oh, I can't, I can't. You're not out. Let the peace of God umpire in your hearts. Anybody beside me just ever get stressed out with life? Ready? Three or four of you? Five, six? Oh, I want some of the rest of you that didn't raise your hands come up here and rub on me after church. 
Please. Just life itself. So much sickness, so much trouble, so much going on. I need an umpire. But Fred, I need an umpire in my life. Oh, Brother Don is speaking in tongues. I love that. That's not the umpire. I love to feel him. Feelings is not the umpire. Emotion is not the umpire. But one of the weakest gifts that seemingly God would give to his people. Peace. Just peace. And God says, peace, you be the umpire. Dynamics, you're on first base. Energy, oh, energy, you're on second. Eternal life, you're on third. And wow, who's going to be the umpire? Peace. We say miracles, supernatural. No. When miracles don't come as soon as you think they should, if peace is there, if peace is there, praise be to God. Oh, oh, I know the devil says it ain't fair, it ain't fair. Because here I am batting, and the pitcher's against me, and it just so happens the umpire is on my team. Uh oh. I done got this thing figured out. I don't know much about baseball, but I done got this game figured out. I am going to win. How can I lose? How can I lose since the man that's calling it is the one saying, Donnie, I'm on your side. So you imagine that I'm standing, I'm so nervous, I'm so tore. But my umpire, which is on my side, I've got you covered. I've got you covered. What if I make a mistake? I've got you covered. I don't even see it. But I've struck out so many times. I've wasted, I've wasted my entire life. I'm just a hopeless case. No, you're not. Let me rule in your But what if I strike out? I'll give you another try. How's that? Oh, you mean you won't, you won't take me off the team? How can I take you off the team? You're part of the team before the foundation of the world. Nobody can take your place. Nobody can replace you. Don't you see why we need the umpire of peace? But you see this powerful little three-letter word in the English, let. You and I must allow the umpire to call it just as he sees it. Right over home plate and you're sweating bullets and you're thinking, oh no, there's no way. Oh, you, you didn't talk yourself right. I might as well just go back to the pen and sit down. There ain't no hope for me. I've never done anything right in my entire life. You get a person nervous as you can be and all of a sudden the umpire's whispering, you say, you can do it. But my daddy failed. My daddy had these problems. But you ain't your daddy. You ain't your mama. You ain't your uncle. You are you. And you is an attribute of God. Oh. Okay. So now instead of the pitcher making you sweat bullets... You're making him sweat. Let me see. Do all your fancy stuff, devil. Do whatever you want to do. Even if I do mess up, the umpire's on my side. 
get your knuckleballs and whatever more balls you've got get them all round up devil you throwed them at Moses and he failed you throwed them at Jeremiah and they failed but you throwed them at the Lord Jesus one day and he took you and the whole team down to hell and defeated every one of you and he said be of good cheer I have won the game be of good cheer I've overcome the world And here the Lord Jesus steps up behind me and put on the umpire uniform. I'm with you, Donnie. I'm with you. Third pole. (laughs) Hallelujah! You're going to knock it plumb out of the ballpark. Come into eternity. Children, could we be this close? Could we be so close that the last few players are on the scene? Oh, let the peace of God umpire in your hearts to the which also ye are called. In one body. And be ye thankful. Children, don't you understand one of the reasons why we lack peace? It's our own faults. Because we umpire our lives. We umpire what we are and we call the shots. Well, I'm this and I'm that. Why don't you shut up? Why don't you shut up? You don't know what it means to be an umpire. Just take the bat and hit the ball. But what if I miss? He'll walk you. <laughs> Enoch walked with God. I, I may not hit a home run. I may not do like great men have done. But if God has to, he will walk me all the way into eternity. Amen. Why? Because I'm part of the team. I always thought the walking deal was kind of neat anyway. You got the bases loaded, and this one guy gets to walk. So everybody else is here. How you doing? How are you? Praise God. Enoch walked with God and was not. So you're looking at home runs and you're looking at this and that and the other. Oh, but I'll make a mistake. I'll fall short of the glory of God. But he will get you in. Second Thessalonians 3.16. Now the Lord of peace. Praise God. The Lord of peace. Help us today, Jesus. Himself give you peace always by all means. But but the money my bills aren't paid in this, and it affects my peace. You're looking at the wrong source. You need to go to the Lord of peace. Now the Lord of peace himself. <laughs> 
No wonder he can be the umpire. <laughs> He's the Lord of peace. The Lord be with you all. Who is this? The Prince of Peace himself who is peaceable. And Paul is saying, by all means, he's not speaking of different agents or things like that, but Paul is wanting them to be peaceful in every aspect of their life. So in your home, on your job, in church, whatever you do, you can have peace. Oh, you mean this is not just church stuff. It's everyday stuff. It's absolutely everyday by all means, by all parts of your life. Have peace. Have peace. Have peace, children. James 3.18 And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Oh Lord, have mercy. How in the world can we make peace? And I'm going to tell you, Matthew, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. We want miracles, we want signs, I want them too. But I want to be able to create peace. Make, make it. Where can I have the resource? From my father. Remember the prophet going into his house one day and they've been having phone calls and all types of counselings and so on and so on. And the kids is crying. Sister Meaty was all tore up. Brother Bram goes in, puts an apron on. Imagine Elijah with an apron on. <laughs> goes in, puts an apron on, going to help her wash dishes. Stand there talking to her. Oh, she's just so tore up and so nervous. He said, oh, I've seen the prettiest. Oh, I don't want no dress. Just started talking. Creating an atmosphere. Creating, what's he doing? Making peace. Tumult was in the home. Difficulty was in the home. God have mercy on husbands and wives that don't know how to make peace in their home. Oh, servants of God, sons of God. God's given to us the ability to take our home and it's total chaos. And bring it in peace. Oh my. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace and of them that make rest. Now let me dig, let me dig just a little bit deeper, can I? Let me dig down in this bag of presents. Oh. Oh boy, I need that one. I really, I really, I really need that one. You see, I can see the label on the package. It's R-E-S-T. Rest. Which is a good gift to go along with peace. Isaiah 28, 12. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. This is the refreshing Yet they would not hear. That ain't going to be me. Come on, saints. That ain't going to be me. I am going to hear, and I am enjoying rest. Jeremiah 6, 16. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, 
and ye shall find rest for your souls. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Boy, if there's ever a time we needed rest, it's the age we're living. We're living in the most perverse, warped generation that's ever been on the earth. People are in such turmoil. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to believe in. They don't know what to put confidence in. But there is a rest for the people of God. The economy's going this way and that way. COVID's going this way and that way. What are we going to do? Rest in the promise of God. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. Listen to this. The prophet said no matter how many atomic bombs they make. How many civil service they people, people they put out there to watch the planes. The world nervous and shaky. We're resting upon this blessed hope that we have. We're trusting in the finished work of God at Calvary through Christ. Let me tell you something, friend. I ain't resting in Happy Valley Church. And I'll tell you as your brother and your pastor, you better not be resting in Donnie Reagan or any other man. You better be resting in the promise of God. I'm resting in my grandpa. You better not. He'll let you down. I'm resting in my uncle so-and-so. You better not. He'll let you down. But put your trust in the Lord Jesus. There you can rest. Notice again in the comfort, he says, resting upon his ability. That's my hope and stay. I'm resting upon his ability. I'm resting upon his grace, not upon what I am, what he is. I'm resting upon his promise. Because he made the promise, he swore to the promise. Oh my, and I know that we have eternal life. That's right. Notice Moses rested upon this because God said, surely I'll be with you. That's his comfort. This is ours. I'll never leave you. I'll go with you all the way to the end of the world. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he'll give thee the desires of thine heart. If you believe in me, oh my, ask what you will and I'll grant it. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will. If any to one earth or grace touching any one thing, whatever they'll ask in my name, I'll do it. These are his promises. That's all they needed. But Moses rested upon the comfort of God's promise. I'll surely be with you, Moses. Then it's not up to Moses to see how they're fed. You imagine two and a half million people that are thirsty and hungry. Ain't a McDonald's big enough in the world to feed them all. There ain't no drive-thrus. There ain't no restaurants. What in the world is he going to do? Rest on the promise of God. Praise God. How you going to do it, Lord? Moses didn't ask that question. It's none of my business to ask the questions. It's not your business to ask the question. It's our business to believe him and obey him. Listen, I love this. And feel comfortable. So you brothers that like your recliner, those of you that have one, or whatever your comfortable chair is, so you go in after work, Oh my, you take a nice shower and you get all the sweat off of you and you sit down and push your little button if it's electric or grab the handle if it's manual and you kick back. 
Bring me a glass of tea, honey. Got any of that lemon lime pie made? You got any of that chocolate cake? You got any of that? What are you doing? You're resting comfortably on your lazy boy. Because <laughs> you're a lazy boy, right? So you're resting. Oh my! You've got out of the hot. You're not sweating. You're not burning up. And you can just take a little bit of relaxing. How good it feels. Does it not? How good it feels. Same with you, sister. Whatever your chair is. And you sat down. You've had a difficult day. Can you imagine multiplying that by billions of times? And when you're under the stress of what the doctors have told you. You're under the stress of what's going on in the world. And all of a sudden you realize, you know what? I need a break. So you go climb in God's recliner of his word. You reach down there and grab a hold of that promise of Malachi 4 and leave it out about four notches. And you just kick back and say, Jesus, I need some loving. I need some help. I need some relaxing, Lord. I need a little bit of comfortability in this trial. <laughs> Amen. This is, this is a great revelation, friends. When you and I, as the people of God, don't bellyache and cry every time we go through a trial, and instead of asking for God to end it, we ask for comfortability in the time of the trial. We ask for peace in the time of trouble, and we call to the umpire when we feel like we've messed up forever. All of a sudden, you find yourself... Y'all jerk when you get ready to go to sleep. Carol says, I jerk awful. And you just jerk and quiver. And so you just get there and you get real comfortable. You don't see it. But the Lord sends down some angels around you. And he's still got that one that rubbed Elijah's head with the softest hand. And he sends him down. He goes to stroking your brow. He said, go to sleep. Go to sleep, go to sleep, God's sweetheart, go to sleep. Oh, glory. Then that other angel of verse cooking them Holy Ghost hoe cakes. Because you need some spiritual strength. I ain't talking about your wife in the kitchen now. <laughs> and while you're there in the presence of God, your spirit's all tore up and you don't know what you're going to do. But he's just got you kicked back. That's it, darling. That's it. I'm with you. I'll never leave you. That's it, sweetheart. I knew you before the world began. When I spoke this universe and sent it out there, I loved you before I even thought of this world. You were part of my thinking. Rest, darling. That's it. You're just thinking it's a five-minute nap before supper. But God's carrying your soul into a realm in heavenly places. The angel comes down with them Holy Ghost hoe cakes and you go to eating spiritually on that. And the wife says, you ready for supper? You say, I guess. Let you handle that. Say, Boy, that nap done me good. A whole lot more than what you thought it did. You thought it was five minutes and you're lazy, boy. It was the mercy of God. When you felt like you'd reached your last step. And God sent angels into your living room. You see, friends, this is why we want the kind of homes 
where angels can visit us. Angels don't feel welcome in homes. Oh my, that's all filthy and ungodly and worldly and they drink and cuss and smoke and lie and live ungodly lives. I don't know about you. I need these visitors to come to my home. I need these visitors to come my way by the gym at the time of need. When I'm under such a thing, God, I don't know what else to do. My wife would help me all she could. You brothers and sisters would help me all you can. But sometimes I need heavenly visitors. Let's bow our heads. Oh, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. It ain't your business to ask why. It ain't your business to ask when. It's your business and my business to believe and obey. So God gives us the ability. It's not of our own. Well, so I, I can do anything. It's, it's not you. It's the grace of God. The grace of God. So he wants us to allow peace to be the umpire of our hearts, our spirits, our souls, our work, our home, our church, everything. Peace. Peace. Don't be so flustered and worried and all torn. Oh, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. And, and if you worry about it, what can you do to fix it? Worry has not one bit of virtue in it. Brother Ram said, and he used a, a little simple illustration. He said, if they're going to shoot me in the morning, he said, I don't think I'd worry about it. He said, worry wouldn't do nothing. Worry wouldn't deliver me. But faith could. Faith could deliver me. Oh, but it's so hard for us to be able to rest in comfort. But instead we turn and we toss and we fret and we worry. How's this going to happen? When's it going to happen? Oh God, I don't understand. You don't need to understand. What you need to do is step up to the plate and swing with all of your might. And don't worry, the umpire is there to catch you. And even if you think you strike out, he may walk you home. But whatever you need for your journey, my friends, he's promised it. He's going to make sure we arrive safely. Praise God. You see, Solomon, when he fell in love with the little Shulamite girl, she had to spend some time in training to be able to learn how to live in the king's house. So it was a little bit of time before he actually sent servants to get her. But Solomon himself never went to get her. But he sent some men... And they were carrying a little couch, a little pallet, as we would call it, so you can understand it. It had been like the ancient royalty and dignity would have rode in years and years ago. And he sends the strongest, most well-abled and well-bodied men that he has to go get his love. You imagine the instructions that he gives them as he tells them, Bring her back to me. They first have got to convince her that it's sent for her. She's never wrote in such a thing. They bring special clothes and she goes in and puts them on. She got out of her wool stuff and her everyday stuff that she wore with holes in it. And she put on a royal, royal wedding attire. Then they lower it and she steps in it. A strong man 
takes her little small hand and puts it in his and she steps up in this and then she sits down and they lift it up. There's men in front of her. There's men behind her. There's men all around her. Why? They're sent on a mission. If you look at the history of this, you know that it's some of the greatest men that Solomon had and his army were sent to bring his sweetheart home. The Lord Jesus has not sent a bunch of weakling preachers, a bunch of preachers that just want fame and fortune and this and that. God's got some men on the earth today that are gallant men. Gallant men. And they're not going into the Colosseum so that they can win praise. They're sent on a mission to bring you back home safely to the Lord Jesus. Oh, God. Lord Jesus, I pray, Father, help us, Lord, that we can open up our hearts to every one of these gifts that you've given to us to help us back, back home. Father, if there's ever a time that we needed peace and rest in this troubled world, it's now. Lord Jesus, we know that Satan loves to upset our homes, our lives. If he can just upset a husband and wife before church time or a child, he knows what he's doing. To upset their minds from being able to receive from the Word. Or no sooner than they walk out the door and they got something out of this service today and they go to get in the car and, and somebody will say something and my, he tries to start a big argument. We know who's that, who that is. It's the devil. He's the author of confusion, arguing, fussing, debating, fighting. The very reason of it is he wants to steal our peace. Lord Jesus, you come that we might have peace. And then you didn't leave us. But you said, I'll not leave you comfortless, but I'll come to you. That paracletos, the one that's called alongside to help us. Praise God. So here we are in the game of life, as we would say. Lord, we're standing there. We're nervous. The bases are loaded. Everybody's under anticipation. And we're saying, oh my, I, I barely made the team. I hardly I, I got enough strength to do this. And we're saying, oh no, don't tell me that little guy's the last batter. Oh no, where's, where's this guy? Where's this? Oh no. Lord God, you know who to choose. We may look at ourselves and think, why would you let us live here? You knew what age to let us live in. Lord God, I pray you'd help each of us, men, women, boys, girls, when they go to facing their enemy, though they may feel frightened, they look down on that mound, and he's looking at them with that evil eye, and they know he can throw so fast. His curveballs are unbelievable. He's this and that and the other. Oh, he knocked out Adam. He knocked out this one. How in the world could I ever do it? But may we listen to the umpire behind us. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'm with you all the way to the end of the world. You were in my mind, child, before the world began. You can't knock it out of the park, but tap into my faith. I'll put my faith behind yours and we'll bring this whole bride home. The resurrection will come. Praise God. 
Oh, Jesus, minister to your children today. Healing, strength, courage, whatever they have need of, Father. He is our peace who has broken down every wall. Let me just worship him a little. He is our peace. Everybody. He is our peace. Let's stand together. He is our peace who has broken down every wall. He is our peace. Thank you, Lord God. He is. So what are we going to do? Cast our cares. Oh, cast all your cares.
blackouts when I think I messed up so bad cover me why more peace in your walk with God raise your hands those of you that's in the visible audience those of you that are streaming right there where you are New Zealand don't make no difference Greenland Iceland Europe France New York pull your car over if you need to and expect the umpire to make a ruling in your favor oh glory be to God glory be to God father I resent the evil spirits out of hell that would try to rob your people of the peace of God. You suffered that we could have this deep peace, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord, when storms would come, Father God, when a doctor would say this or that or the other, oh, Lord, may the umpire rule in our hearts. Hallelujah, hallelujah. When the world says, we'll shut them up, may the umpire say, they'll never shut you up. I'll take you up. Hallelujah. May the peace of God be the umpire in our hearts. Oh, Father, we're in such a stressful, worrisome time. But we believe the peace of the baptism of the Holy Ghost fill every fiber of our being today, Lord God. Those that have fallen, those, Lord, that have made a mess of their life and they feel like there's no hope for them. May the peace of God fall down upon that young girl's heart. May the peace of God fall down upon that man's heart, Father. In the name of Jesus, the same one who spoke to the wind that day. Hallelujah. And they woke you out of the ship. And you come up and rub the sleep out of your eyes, as it were. And you stood there on the bow of that ship and you spoke, Peace, be still. The wind knew its maker. The waves knew its maker. Lord God, speak peace today, I pray. Oh, glory to God in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you, Lord God. Father, I pray for my friend today, Brother Homer Longoria, not feeling well, fever, touch a pneumonia in his body. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, may the presence of God go to our brother, Lord. We love you, Father. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We've asked. We believe. Right? Now let's receive. Say it now with me. I receive it. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I worship you, Father. Sing something for us. Harry, let's just worship a little bit before we go, can we? I know you got lunch and all your plans for the day, but my goodness, I don't think there's any plans we've got that's any greater than being right here in the presence of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We bless your name, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad we've recognized. Yes, Lord. The mighty God Thank you, Lord. is here today. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. As an Jesus. Thank you, Father. God bless you, saints. Love you in the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's just sing this little chorus this morning. Amen. Maybe a couple of verses before you can be dismissed. Oh, my hope is in the Lord from this time on Come on. 
This time. 